Just some podcast media. The thoughts and opinions expressed on Buried Pleasures are those of the host and the guests and do not represent any views of any organizations that we may volunteer for or be employed by. Listeners should be aware that there may, most likely, be profanity and discussions on topics that may require a little discretion. You have been warned. I came from the mud. dirt on my hands. Welcome, welcome everybody to another episode of Buried Pleasures. This is a long-awaited episode as I've been told, since I took a month off to move across country and to uh, become the spectacular person that I am. And today, my guest is Tom from Just Some Podcast for Advanced Practitioners. We haven't had a chance to talk in a long time. Tom, how are you? I am doing fantastic, and I'm glad to see you're doing great as well. I am. I'm I'm doing okay. I am going to say, though, I am kind of sad for all you listeners out there. My good friend Tom had a terrible ocular accident earlier <laughs> in the month of July. I was so hoping that he would come out of this with a pirate patch so that we could, you know, like have some solidarity between the two shows. But, you know, I guess as fortune goes, he was very fortunate <laughs> and he didn't yeah. lose his eye or his vision. So... However, however, I still do wear an eye patch from time to time, and uh, I would be happy to do it for your show. So (laughs) just let me know at any time. I'm pretty. There's a there's a guy who wants that um, whole doudoir calendar thing that you could totally do a little like some cheeky shorts and a and an eye patch. patch. Yeah, I I'll, I'll take it under consideration, but I'm I'm still going to go with a no. I do love that the fact that I survived without permanent scarring or loss of an eyeball somehow makes your show worse. Like that's well, my favorite part. I'm just saying. I mean, yeah, everybody. It would have been really cool had you lost that eye, but I since mean, you decided to save it, right? Since so. you can actually see out of your eye, and <laughs> yeah. whenever. Stupid, hey, by the way, you became a, a Fourth of July statistic. I did. You did. did. I I would like to point out for everybody listening, though, I'm the guy that was yelling about safety. It wasn't even my fault. It was from another (laughs) yard. Like, it had nothing to do with me. I wasn't wasn't doing anything, you know, uh, not safe with fireworks. And yet, it still found a way. I mean, it it, literally it's it's the winning the billion dollar lottery ticket shot. I mean, I was like, what are the chances? Yeah, right. Right. Like, why didn't you just win that? eight? What is it? Eight (laughs) hundred million dollars or whatever. Yeah, that's what that's what they're going to take home. It was one point. It was one point zero three billion, I think. Disgusting. Oh, my goodness. That. Yeah, it is disgusting that I didn't win it. Yeah, same. Same. I definitely played. I won $8 off of my lotto tickets. Thank you. <laughs> Unfortunately for me, I did not realize um, I had not purchased tickets until 33 oh, no. minutes after the drawing. And That's I was like, okay. well, hey, yeah. you don't win if you don't play. That's the rules. Well, you know, <laughs> I'm trying to find a way around that loophole. Um, it really seems unfair regulation that I can't win without playing, but uh, we'll, we'll keep working on that. But well, someday, right. someday, I just know I would. And my friend sent me some TikToks about it, but I already knew I would do some really ignorant shit if you? I won. Uh, if I won a billion dollars, oh yeah, oh, for sure. God, oh, <laughs> oh boy. I mean, we're talking some dumb, dumb oh, yeah. stuff is going to happen. I, I would definitely I'd travel. Just travel. That's what I would do. Oh. I would travel and buy silly things that I don't need. Um, I I guess the very first. I yeah no. I had. I mean yeah. I would obviously do all that stuff too. I mean I was thinking some just 
I could do whatever I want. I got eight hundred million dollars now. I can do whatever I want. I was thinking, just cover my body in butter and then put a clear plastic suit on and walk outside, see what happens. Like, who's going to stop me? Nobody. I, I have eight hundred million dollars. I, so. I, 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 I can't even. <laughs> can't. Okay, just, so just let that image. Work I, in your I just head. wish that Ben were here in this moment. The other half of the Justin Podcast for Advanced Practitioners, Ben, if you're listening, if we could get some Saran wrap and some butter. I have a project. <laughs> that it's gonna I'm be ready. a lot of crock, a lot of uh, country crock butter tubs gonna be used up it here will, pretty soon. Will, no, we'll use Carrie's gold for you. It's you use <laughs> oh well, I am worth eight hundred million dollars. We can right, use that right. expensive butter. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, that's what I would do. Let's talk about why I asked you to come on the show. So Tom and I have been talking about topics, and one of the topics that I am very passionate about in the moment is trauma, obviously. I talk a lot about PTSD. I talk a lot about traumas. I do some very fun and informational talks with Rachel in the OC, who has Bad Redhead Media, who's a wonderful speaker about childhood traumas, childhood sexual abuse, and also, you know, sexual abuse in the real world as adults. And she and I talked about what happens? How do you come back to being able to be a a normal functioning person? And by normal, none of us are normal, right? We all have our own definition of normal. But what is the most important is understanding that whatever your normal is, is that you can get back to that after you've had a traumatic event. Now, whether that has been something that you experienced as a child, as a teenager, as an adult, and in any shape or form, whether it be a sexual abuse scenario and, a, you know, a verbal abuse, a physical abuse of, of any type, whatever you're perceiving is your trauma. That's what we're talking about today. And how do you start feeling like somebody who wants to be loved or touched or hugged or held or any of those things after those things occur? Now, for you, Tom. I know we've talked about traumas in the past. You just had your eye shot out and everything. <laughs> yeah, not that we're, type of trauma. Yeah. We're over that right now. Yeah, not <laughs> that. <laughs> but, you know, in a, in a relationship when, you know, you have both been raised by different people, you have both been, ex- you know, you've experienced things unlike each other. You know, we'd all like to think that we have similar experiences. And if you grow up in an area and you end up dating somebody you went to high school with, chances are these people were raised similarly to you. Now, if you marry somebody from another country, another state, another whatever, maybe there might be more marked differences. It just depends on how we approach these subjects, on how we can really grasp how difficult it may be for somebody who has had a wonderful upbringing, wonderful childhood, never had a problem a day in their life, and then all of a sudden be confronted with a partner who has had the exact opposite. But, you know, they always say uh, opposites attract, right? Like (laughs) that's a total thing. So, Tom, what are your thoughts about when you've been in relationships and this doesn't have to, we don't have to take the the turn to traumatic versus non-traumatic, but would you say you had a pretty normal upbringing, pretty functional family, or were you as dysfunctional as everybody else's family? Well, like you said, I think everybody's dysfunctional to, yeah. to some extent. 
all right, like things that I would consider normal. I'm sure there are like, you know, eating pizza as a family every Friday night. I'm sure there are some vegan out there going, oh, so your family forced you, you know, and I don't mean that bad. I'm just saying to them, that's the trauma, you know? Right. So for me, no, I, and I know there's obvious trauma. I'm not trying to make light of that. I'm just trying to say like, for me, it was pretty normal. I was listening to what you were talking about and I was like, yeah, no, I'm, I know my wife did not have the best childhood and I certainly didn't have a normal one. My father was in the military. So like every, I went to three high schools. Like that's what I'm saying is in four years, I went to three schools. Like I don't have roots, which I know it may be traumatic to some people, but the lack of roots is completely normal to me. So to me, it's that that's not a trauma in any way. I think the perspective though of traveling all the time mitigates some of the things you talked about for me. Like my wife grew up in a completely different, you know, she grew up in one area her entire life, one Mm -hmm. small town. She knew everybody, everybody knew her, you know, it was that type of thing. I mean, we're talking uh, like less than 10,000 person, you know, area. So yeah, I yeah, get yeah, it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I'm sure you. Yeah, I'm just saying for, for I people, totally get that. But but there's people that are listening to this right now. The smallest town they've ever been in was like you know sixty thousand people. They can't right. imagine every day waking up and seeing the same people and knowing them, their brothers, their sisters, their moms, their dads, their cousins. And that's how it is for her. Versus me, every time someone's like, "Oh, you live, you live here now." Well, you must know Jack so and so. I'm like, nope, never. Don't know Jack. Don't. <laughs> never heard of them. Yeah, I don't know. But I can see exactly what you're talking about. And I 100% agree. Mm-hmm. Because the things I've seen moving all the time, and being in foreign countries and stuff, I will tell you right now, no, no, nobody does everything the same. So I guess the roundabout very long way is saying I have, I guess, a different perspective than people that maybe grew up in one town their whole life. Mm-hmm. And my view of normal, I think I have a pretty relatively normal view of normal like you know um i think i could judge what what 85 percent of people find appropriate or not though i also know 15 percent of my stuff is probably stuff that other people like i said butter suits you know people out there are going what is going on and i was i don't really want one i just found it funny but i know there are other people that like they would never think of that so i'm like okay that's my quirky funny i know your I butter have that. suit is your quirky well thing. no i'm just saying like i have that i know my i know i have that 15 20 percent of my personality that's just i think i think nature did that on purpose i think yeah. i think 40 80 percent of all of us match up mm-hmm. you got to have that 20 percent to to keep the cogwheels moving because right. if you don't you know the machine breaks down so that's bad so evolution and or or by design, whatever whatever process you prefer, uh, design that twenty percent so the wheels yes. move. Yeah, because uh, that's bad if it stops. <laughs> we don't want our wheels stopping here at very yeah, pleasures. You know, yeah, no, yeah, yeah the, you know the whole of humanity stops producing and then we die off as a species. Yeah, I, I I think evolution would be not fond of that. So no, definitely not. So how is it that through thousands of years of traumatic events have we kept going as a as as human beings how has that happened okay well because i think that there's very different and honestly i'm gonna say this and i think there's very different perspectives for both male and female which are traditionally the sexual partners again i'm just saying traditionally i'm talking from my experience the view of a guy on a trauma versus the view of a girl and it depends on the trauma Right. Now, the trauma that has affected me in my sexual health was not sexual in any way, but I, I have female friends. I work with 
I'm a you know male nurse practitioner. I work predominantly with females in the healthcare workforce, and I have heard some of the stories, and I can't imagine their point of view. Like I would never expect a female nurse to understand what I'm going through. I try and be empathetic, but I'm also a fairly large guy, and so when I hear shocking sexual traumatic stories, I cannot literally put myself in that headspace because mm-hmm. there's no thought process where. I could imagine being in that that spot. Right. Got you. Because you've so never that, had to be the weaker person. Yeah, yeah. I, I yeah. You. I'm 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 only five nine, but I, I tip in at about three hundred pounds and I've wrestled in jujitsu for the majority of my life. I'm just saying there's not a lot of people that walk up to me and I go, Oh, he's gonna make me do something I don't want. Like that just right. that is not a thought that comes mm-hmm. in my head. And I'm not a badass. Some of the things that maybe go through my head on a normal basis, I'm sure she's not thinking. Mm-hmm. You know, my, my, my fears and insecurities are sure different. So I, I think it's really hard to get at perspective because there's so many, right? Be, because guys can be the victim as well as the perpetrator of sexual trauma. So it, it's hard for me though, to, to understand that. But I mean, I have my own things that I am sure that I have told people and they're like, that doesn't make any sense. You know? <laughs> I, and I mean, that, I mean that in a dear kind way, like they're like, Oh, you see them shaking their head, but I'm like, Oh, it's not clicking. Right. You, you can't, you can't possibly understand why this means so much to me. And I feel bad again for my wife. Cause sometimes she'll be talking about something that I know is very obvious and non-sexual, but I'm just saying very obviously this is important to her. And I'm like, I don't understand at all. Why? <laughs> Making sure our child has the right type of hot chocolate is is that big a deal. But to her at that moment, it is the only thing in the world that matters. And I can't figure out, you know, why why that why that happens. So you know, I, I would like to compare this conversation to how in certain circles it's sometimes difficult when you're talking about, let's say, when you're talking about sexuality, when you're talking about gender, when you're talking about race, we all have these hard stops. And I can say this, but I know I can't say that. Correct. I have to, uh, you know, I have to tiptoe around this part, but this I can just be blatant about. And I think a lot of people are doing that these days, obviously. You know, we all are trying to be respectful of one another's opinions and perspectives, but sometimes we fall short because we don't necessarily, we've not been educated on the subject or, or it's just something we don't, we've never heard of before, right? that can happen. So in in talking about traumas again finding the root terminology is yeah. the necessity. Yeah, and and honestly this is one of those areas where I'm trying to get better at and in root terminology and just like you're talking about properly identifying gender and sex. I I'll be honest, I and it's not an excuse, it just my brain has trouble latching on to all that. I I respect any person and I don't want to ever come across as I don't, but in my head it's still very binary. Mm-hmm. And I don't care which one you want to be, I don't. I just care that you tell me which one so I can accurately do it and then I I think the best one I've heard is Pat Oswalt. Mm-hmm. Uh, comedian talk about this. He goes, look, I am the biggest person to trying to support an ally, but Jesus Christ, give me a break. If I make one mistake, don't chew my head off because right. I said the wrong gender term for that day. Right. So I, I don't want anybody that hears this conversation to think I'm being flippant or, or un, you know, observing or, you know, uncaring of what's going on. I a hundred percent do. And I think accurate root terminology, as far as both the patient 
the victim and the person providing the treatment are all extremely important. As a matter of fact, I think it's the, I shouldn't say I think, it is the base of the entire diagnosis and treatment. However, going through all this, I'm not trying to offend anybody. So if somebody finds themselves offended, I don't, I don't want to be that guy because I don't want to walk on eggshells. And and that's that, I guess that's one thing at my age, I've just decided, I know I'm not trying to be a jerk and I'm going to talk the way I talk. And if someone gets offended, then we can have a conversation about their being offended, but I'm not going to literally try and remap my entire brain to speak and then somehow make it worse. (laughs) So like, let me just get out the message and then you can interpret if you like that message and then we can talk about the details, but that's, that's really where it is. So I I guess the long way short of saying all the stuff that you, you know, you asked me in the beginning is I find that trauma is incredibly specific and without knowing the details, it's kind of hard to tell the person what we're going to talk about. Because like I said, you being a female may be the victim of a physical trauma, but that's never happened to me. Right. So I think that's the spot with any sort of trauma in sexual health is knowing exactly what you're dealing with mm-hmm. and being accurate, not to be clinical. Like I'm not, I don't want people to feel cold about what the person is telling them, but you need to know exactly what you're getting into right. to make that, that transition. And I think for me, that's the worst part because mm-hmm. I don't know how to convey that message because again, my, my trauma was psychological. Mm-hmm. And so I and I use this description not the best, but sometimes I even use this to talk to my patients. And I'm like, sometimes the diagnosis is like trying to staple jello to a wall. Like I know I need, I know what the jello is and I need to get it there. It is not that simple though. All right. It's right. not, it is not, it is not, it is not, oh, you know what the problem is, you know what the treatment is. No. <laughs> like some right. sometimes there are there are things in between. And to try and explain to somebody, because here here's the thing for me for mental health trauma and sexual is it's not the same every day. Today, you could tell me, well, okay, let's talk about what most guys have a problem with is like penis size, right? So you could tell me today, hey, Tom, you're you're great. I'd be like, wow, she thinks I'm great. But tomorrow, if you say I'm great and I'm in a bad mood or you said something earlier that makes me think that maybe today you're just going to tell me things I want to hear. If you say that exact same phrase, I'm going to go, she's a lying bitch. She's just saying that because she doesn't want to be with me. And then you go into this mental health spiral. And then later on, she's like, hey, let's have sex. And you literally physically can't perform anymore because for nine hours, you've told yourself, <laughs> you know, that this person really hates you. And so that is not the same as, and, and you sent me a really great article. And the reason I brought this up is, you know, you sent me that great article about things you can do to make it safer for your partner to have sex mm-hmm. with them. And I was like, but none of this would matter to me. I don't give a fuck if you leave the light on. And and I'm not saying this because I would be angry in my head. So I don't want people to think I'm angry at the victim. I'm just saying as the angry victim in the case, I would be like, I don't fucking care if the light's on. I don't fucking care if they're off. You could say whatever you want. My, My life is ruined and she would have never done anything wrong. And so that's what I'm saying is for me, it's, it's incredibly hard to pinpoint or tell you what's wrong when I know that tomorrow it could be a little different. And and so I know there are other people out there that likely have something similar to that. And I think my biggest downfall has been communication. And I think that's probably everybody. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, by far and large for myself, because I don't know how to say it. And I'm too embarrassed to say it every day. Like, I know she's never going to hear this. 
Like my wife, like I love her and she has all of our podcasts downloaded on her phone so that we, you know, but she, I, she doesn't listen to us. So she, you know, my she husband listens. doesn't listen to my yeah. show either. Yeah. yeah. She, hear she hears me talk enough. You know, she doesn't need yeah. to hear me no. you know, on her drive to work. You know, Dave tells uh, me all the time. He's like, yeah, I don't listen to you. I'll listen to it when you're dead, when I'll miss you. <laughs> that's what he says. Such, oh, Dave, what a good move. I like that. <laughs> yeah. That's my, that's my Dave. What you were saying speaks to volumes to me because what I see happening in my own life is that I have a wonderful sex life. I, you know, blah, blah, blah. Everything's wonderful. But I'm going to tell you in the last couple months since, uh, well, I'll say since November, since my daughter-in-law passed away, my life has taken on a different turn. It's been very difficult for myself because it's my son's wife. And I love that girl. It was also very difficult for my husband, who's never lost anybody that close to them before, you know? And so it's been this weird and unusual dynamic between the two of us in the last few months where I think it's because I lost my dad whenever I was younger and watched the struggle that my parents had when my dad was sick. He died from melanoma when I was 20. And so I think seeing all of this hurt and all of this grief has made me just be so disconnected to my own body because I don't want to feel this. So I just want to be, I either like, please sedate me or give me something that makes me feel good. I'm not a drinker anymore, so I can't even do that. So Food, again, is my go-to whenever I'm stressed out and I've gained 10 pounds since I've moved back to Ohio. I'm super <laughs> mad about, but I've basically been trying. That's my way of dealing with my inability. I don't want to sit around and cry all day. Yeah. I don't. No, no. I know. So I know what makes me feel good. I'll tell so, you. Ice so, cream. Yeah. And chicken wings. Chicken oh, wings are, yeah. yeah chicken, chicken wings, wings and pizza are my. <laughs> but, so I, I guess my question is then, is that healthy? And how long do you let it go before it's not? Again, as the person, I'm not the therapist in this. So I, and for those that are listening, I don't know shit about sex therapy. That's why I talk to her. <laughs> but I do know some stuff about, you know, the human condition and suffering from some mental trauma, I guess. So let's talk <laughs> about that. So the reason I'm saying that is because I think it is healthy for some disassociation to a point. Right. So for sexual health, where is that point? Like when, because I'll be honest, mine, mine affects me mm-hmm. like daily now, but I, I don't mean that bad. I just mean every day. You said it's been going on for months. Mine has been going on for, you know, 2005. So <laughs> that's what I'm saying is I have a very different perspective. How long when you have that disassociation, do you let it go? I think that anytime that you have a question about something, like if you're doubting your ability, like you were just saying, this has been happening since 2005. What day in 2005 did you say, all right, Tom? June 18th. Okay. And how long was it before you talked to your partner about this? Well, so here's the weird (laughs) part. Well, no, no. I, I obviously I have. I mean, she's been yeah, around me for right. twelve years, so she that's she twelve June's. You. Yeah, so that's twelve June's. And also, the shitty part about PTSD is it's not like it's that day only. Right. It's not like three hundred sixty four other days a year oh, I get to sure. go off. I'm fucking great, you know. And I don't want to. I don't want to sound like um, a victim mentality. Like it's not like every day I wake up going, "Oh God," it, it's not like that. But, but it it's does, still there every day. Yeah, it, it's kind yeah. of like after you put like 
blue food coloring in a bowl of water. It doesn't matter how many times you put add water, you can still see a tint. Like it sits in there, you know, it's, it's, it's maybe minor, but it's there. I, I feel like mental health trauma, at least. And again, I'm going back to that because that's what I know is I think that's the thing, though. It's touched everything. If you break my shin bone, it makes me walk funny. But eventually the bone mends and I go back to a regular gait. I, there's no coming back from this, at least not for me. I, I, or not in a way that the scar is not easily recognizable. So I don't know. I've had this conversation with her. Yeah, I've had this conversation with everybody. And, and again, it's not like I come out one day and go, hey, this happened to me. So I know I'm mentally fucked up. It's more like something happens and they go, why did you just do that? And I'm like, well, sometimes this is what happens. And so we have that. And I've never had anybody go, oh, my God, that's too much. I can't handle this. At the same time, I don't know because I don't, again, it, it, every day is a little different. So I don't know how to have that conversation because there was not a, there wasn't a sentinel event gotcha. other than, other than previous to our relationship. My question to you would be, how have you proceeded over all these years? Have you written down lists of things? Have you just made a mental note of the things that are bothering you? What have you done? Totally avoided it for okay. 11 years. So yeah, I mean, actually not even 11 up until probably a year and a half ago. I just was like, oh, I knew it was a problem. And I, um, I did the traditional, I just boxed it. Yeah. Like, there you go. Like, whenever we, you're nurses whenever, are really good at that, too. Yeah, when, when you're having, yeah, when you're having that sad feeling, I just push it down, push it down, just push, push it, down. it down. Yeah. And then I'll deal with it later. But then the box, you just don't open the box. See, you right. lie to the box. It's, it becomes it Pandora's box. box yes. Once you push it and down. Pandora can keep it. So there you go. Yeah. That's what I say. And Pandora um, will kick your ass, is what Pandora will do. Well, eventually. <laughs> Well, it's because I I didn't want any treatment. I didn't want to talk about it. I didn't. Well, let me rephrase that. I did want to talk about it. I didn't know what to say. I didn't know what to ask. I didn't know what to do. Even though I worked as a healthcare provider with other healthcare providers, I couldn't bring myself to say, here's my issue. I'm not saying that was healthy. I'm saying I, I got through it um, not well. But I mean, I got through it. I just, I don't know. I, I've never, I've never taken the time. I know things that do trigger um, certain, but again, the traumatic event and the sexual health, I think are linked, but I don't know, like, just because if I saw something really bad that day that triggered my mental health issues, if somebody was physically attracted to me, I think I could still sexually perform. Okay. Mm -hmm. It's when my brain takes that same logic from the traumatic event and then applies it to a sexual health incident. And again, I'm going to say something that happens regularly inside my household and i'm sure it happens regularly inside a lot of other people's houses the oh we'll, we'll just you know we'll just do it later and that's fine because i'm a grown-ass adult i understand <laughs> we can't just do it 24 hours a day i mean i get that but yes you can <laughs> you know what i i guess i'm gonna have to amend my motion and resubmit right. it to her and say no i was told that we can't have sex 24 hours a day but no i mean you know your kid's finally out of the house spending the night somewhere else you're alone you know and then they're like oh let's do it later well yeah. first of all right there that that'll set a bad tone in my head because it's like wait you always tell me the reason we can't be intimate is because we're never alone we're alone and now you're telling me later and i'll tell you right now that's a trigger because then by the time we get to later, if there's any hesitation, and then it's like, oh, so now you regret. You know, I've built it up to this point where unless she popped out of a cake 
with sparklers attached to her nipples. <laughs> I'm not I'm not going to believe her that she's excited. Yeah. Like maybe she wasn't excited earlier, or maybe she was legitimately going, I just, you know, I have to finish laundry. And then we can, right. you know, but to a person with trauma, my brain just went, she hates you. She thinks you're fat and ugly. She thinks you got a small penis. You're disgusting. And build that for six hours. So that by the time it's actually time to a reasonable person to have a reasonable sexual intercourse with their perfectly loving and, you know, honest adult partner, I can't. Right. Right. So that's, so when, when people, you know, and I don't want her to think it's a her thing. Cause it's not, I, I've heard that from other people that, you know, sex, when you have friends that go through shit similar, you go, you have talks. Oh, you mean when you have nurse friends, you mean nurse friends, police <laughs> friends. Uh, yeah, I was a police officer. You know, I've seen, you know, when, when you have those people in your life and you have those conversations, you talk and I know I'm not alone. No, you're not. But, alone. At, but at the same time, when you hear somebody else go, well, yeah, of course I still did it. Then you start thinking, well, what's wrong with me? Um, like, well, wait a second. You know, so I can't. You know, here's why, something why can't to think it? about. Let's put it out there. When you're playing video games and you I play have, a lot of video games. Yeah. Yes, I know. I, I think I know every I man on the planet loves video games. <laughs> I, love for the video most games. I know. Love Apex Legends. Shout my out to everyone that plays Apex. Listen, Legends. my husband was telling me last night he and his son were playing a new game and I don't know what it is. Don't ask me. He's like, I know you'd love this one, honey. It's got puzzles and things you could like. I hate it because my kid's too young to be able to do all of it. And I want you to play it. And I was just like, not falling into that trap, big pops. Not <laughs> happening. Anyway, think about it in that way. Like when you have a really good campaign when you're doing one of these games. Like, did you hear what I just did? Yeah, you said campaign. That was the lingo. I've, yeah, been, I've been listening. For, anyway. for role play games. Yeah, that's campaign. Yeah, good. Good. So, like, whatever those gunny games are, you guys all play. Anyway, so when you have, like, you win the winner, winner, chicken dinner, you've won. You're flying in the helicopter at the end and everybody's... You're mixing a lot of video games together right now, but that's okay. Go on. My husband used to send me videos of that, I don't know, the helicopter ride afterwards because you won, whatever. When you've had a really good game and you're with your buddies then and that's all good stuff and you've leveled up and you feel like on top of the world, what does it feel like whenever you get killed and you're respawning every five seconds because some dude's got your number and he's just shooting you, shooting you, shooting you. And you just feel like garbage because you just want to murder this person, whoever he is, no matter yeah. like if it's a seven-year-old kid that's murdering you in this yeah. game. Every... And there's a lot of those. Yes, I know. Listen, I listen to these, <laughs> I listen to this screaming, yelling garbage all the time. But anyway, what I'm getting at, and and what I try to do, this is a perspective question. That leveling up makes your brain feel amazing, right? And if you right. could do that every game, you totally would. Having sex with your partner is really, really good when you can get it to happen. When you're having difficulty, you're running against the seven-year-old that's shooting you in the back every day and then walking around teabagging you afterwards. I've seen this happen too. <laughs> This is all I know about video games. This is uh, it. This is behind it, the it, scenes. It's good. It's good that you glimpsed the important parts. Obviously, right? I, so, I get yeah. it. Right? And bagging and seven years. Right. This is me. yeah. This is this is all I know. So why does that feel so good when you're winning? Because that dopamine, that yeah, the dopamine, hit, all of yeah. that is going. 
So what's happening whenever you're getting shut down by your significant other? What's happening is those dopamine levels are dropping. You're falling into a pattern that you have learned probably since you were a child where your mom was mad at you or your dad was mad at you. And again, this doesn't have to fall into sexual traumas. I know I talk a lot about sexual abuse in, you know, as children and traumas, traumatic things that happen to you as a child, regardless of whether I think it's a trauma or you think it's a trauma, it's your perspective. If somebody called you fat from the time you were born, if somebody called you ugly, if somebody called you short, if somebody said your breath smells bad or your feet are too big or whatever, you don't have to be actually physically touched or traumatized to be traumatized. And I just had this discussion with some wonderful people and met a guy who used big T traumas or little T traumas. The big T traumas are those ones that are really, really stick with us, you know, like the sexual abuse, like the physical abuse, like things that can be measured by severity, let's say. You can't measure the severity of how bad you felt every day coming home when Your mom told you, do you actually need that extra piece of cake? Do you actually, do you ever clean anything? Do you ever take a shower because you're disgusting? Like those are the kinds of things that traumatize kids. And I've done it to my kids. I totally have. Oh yeah. No, I I was just like, wow. But see, the the crappy part for me is I may have inadvertently traumatized Tommy, (laughs) my my kid. Just, well, I'd be like, man, you are really stinky today. Just kidding. He didn't really right. stink, but now I'm going in my head. Well, Christ, did now I listen, just create a but mental health this. lapse? Like, I, listen, I've, I've read those articles in the books where they tell you, you need to ask your child permission before you change their diaper. Nah. Okay. Whatever. You shit it your pants. Its, right? Yeah. It, I, I'm fixing it. It yeah. has its place, but we can't walk around every moment of our lives thinking, oh my God, I've traumatized this person. I've really traumatized them. I maybe, really have. maybe that's my problem. I I think that might be a part of it, Tom, because a lot of what we do in the day, we just, we're all trying to be decent human beings. It's really hard to be a decent human being sometimes when all you want to do is tell the truth, (laughs) but whose truth is, is less traumatic, right? My truth is pretty traumatic. That doesn't make me not love people. I do. I just had this conversation because I'm on my last kid. She's about out, you know, like she'll she'll be 18 next year. It's all good. But my, my younger or my older children believe in their hearts that I'm just like, you know, why are you letting her do all these things? You never let us do that. Yeah. Well, you guys are all real winners. You know, I was really strict with you. What do you want me to do? You know, (laughs) it's the look of the draw. This roulette wheel's got to stop sometime. And, you know, like. I'm switching it up. I, I I don't know how to be the best parent. I don't know how to not traumatize my kids by using the speech that I was taught growing up. But I every day I'm trying to learn something new and trying to make sure that other people around me know that I love them and that they're safe. And I think that that's the only thing that I can do. But when you're the person who it is so easy to not feel that way. Okay, so. Let, let, okay, let's let's go ahead and bring this all back together again. Yeah, bring it around. Well, let's let's be let's be frank. I have not had a great sexual history with my current wife. Just have not. I love her to death, but we have really significantly, I feel, 
again, this may be a perspective issue, but I feel we have really struggled all our relationship, which is not normal. Like no, no relationship starts off that way. You know, uh, most of them start off that great honeymoon phase where you're rabbits and then you kind of die down over time. No, never had a rabbit phase. Like it just, ugh. so anyways, the point of this is mental health. I already had my scars and then not having, I love her to death, but having this unhealthy sexual relationship has not, you know, been well for me. Here's where things change is we just talked about my sudden, very traumatic eye injury. Things rapidly changed <laughs> rapidly. Like I would tell you, if you told me July 3rd, what was about to happen over the next several weeks of my life, I would tell you that's not physically possible. Like that's just, there's no way things. So I guess my thing is, is I've seen that my partner can at least act interested and be interested and want to be interested. What happens when it goes back? Because it is, it is, it's already going back to a person that I literally just told you 30 minutes ago that if you just tell me, let's do it later, I will take that as a sign. I am a disgusting human being. Now that I went from openly having amazing sex all the time to right back to nothing. How am I going to prepare myself mentally? Because it's already happening. It's like, I know what's about to happen. So how do I deal with that? And have you had the discussion about it? Have you said, hey, listen, it sounds like last week. It's not going to change anything. Maybe I've had had that discussion a lot of times over 12 years and it's never changed it before. So what happens when you change your perspective? Well, I I guess that's my thing is, so that's the answer is I have to change me. It's not you changing you. It's changing your outlook, your view. But that is me. No, you're still you in there. You're still you. You're not giving up. What are you giving up by saying, okay, so this is my life. This is my hole. This is where I'm going to sit. In my hole. I don't know. I, you feel I don't like you're know. sitting in a hole. Yeah. First off. I read it in a book one time. And so for some reason, I always think about it this way. Uh, I read the porthole effect. Mm-hmm. Like you're on a ship or something. And the only thing you can see out, like you have your room and you can move freely about your room. But your only vision to the outside world is this one little circle. Yep. And there's a lot of times that's how I feel. Like yeah. I am trapped inside my own brain. I think that I, might be, that might be a problem. But well, yeah, yeah, that's a problem. Yeah, my question you, is, how do I fix it? You well, you have two options: get out or get over. And I never suggest people get out, but I definitely suggest they get over. Now get you're, over. yeah. Well, yeah. that's the thing. Are you a javelin or like a pole vaulter, or are you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's 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 hear the rest of this. Come on, I'm going to say no. I think Are I'm more a of a pommel ladder, horse. Okay. Well, a but, slow oh. ladder climber. Oh, that's the disc. Oh, yeah. okay. So you like I thought you, you were talking about here? the equipment you were using. I'm like, no, no I'm more of a pommel horse, not a pole. You're so but... trashy. I know. Thank you. <laughs> See, now you that. get it. Yeah, yeah I totally yeah, get it. Yeah, um, yeah, I get it. Anyway. <laughs> so in the in the terms of abuse, so we talk about all kinds of different abuses, sexual abuse you know, physical, violent abuse that way, just all of these different types of abuses, verbal abuse, what have you. The one thing that all of them have in common is that the person experiencing the trauma may feel the most alone, but in all honesty, the other person who is perpetrating the trauma may also be as broken 
in their way as you feel you are in your way. So that's a consideration as well. And I'm not saying, listen, I am not one to ever shame a victim of anything. And, And I know it's sad that I have to say this, but for those people who are listening, I think it's important to look at both sides. And and one of the reasons why I teach sexual education like I do is because I think there are a lot of people out there that are operating on a system that does not work, that they like, (laughs) like, how many times have you updated your windows, (laughs) right? Yeah, no kidding. You got to update your shit. And if you can't get your shit updated, things get out of control. It would be just as if you were trying to practice medicine with the education that stopped at 1960. You can't. It doesn't work that way. I mean, there might be a lot better things that were happening back then, but there were a lot worse things happening back then, you know? So these are the ways that you have to look at it. Like if you cannot come together with a partner and have a discussion about how you feel about what's going on in your life and how the things that you are perceiving, and I I use that you are perceiving so that it doesn't shoot out your mouth like you're doing this to me. You have done this to me. This is what I noticed that you do to me. <laughs> that, so that's bad. Don't do that. Okay. Well, usually it doesn't lend to communication. It just doesn't. Because when you start out with you, 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 yeah, you're not really right. It, it totally does. But we talked earlier about specifics. And you, I know your your audience does not know me, but you know me. I have... Mm-hmm. Never been one where if you say, Tom, you're wrong and you say why I'm wrong, I'm like, you know what? I fucked up. Like, yep, you got me. I That's what I did. And you're correct. I will fix it. When you are talking to the other person and I'm trying to be clear, this is what I did, but this is also what you did. How do I say that without them getting defensive then when I'm trying to be clear? Like, I know the things I've, I mess up, but here are the things that you are doing that is affecting me. If I can't say you, because I don't want to put them on the defensive, then how am I supposed to be clear? Because no offense, if there's only two of us, and there is only two of us, you know, in, in this equation at this at this time. <laughs> hey, if she wants to get a friend in here, I'm sure she has some very cute ladies. Oh, but Tom. since that's not going to happen, um, oh, well, I'm just saying it's not going to happen. So, but it's me and her, right? Right. If we're not having sex, it is not me. So I guess the point is, how am I going to have that conversation where I'm like, well, I begged you and you refused. How do I say that without her getting defensive? Because, I mean, I truly want the communication to happen, but let's be fucking frank. I'm clearly not the problem. (laughs) So in this case, in this scenario, there are times where I am. I'm just saying in a scenario where you say we're going to have sex later, I'm ready to go. You act like you want it, but then it never happens. Well, clearly I'm not the problem. So how do I fix the problem? Here's my thoughts. Um, yeah, I'm Here's my thoughts. If you've gotten to that point where you cannot make sure that you are the problem or she is the problem, that you're both the problem, then I would necessarily say, hey, these are the things that I'm noticing. This is how I'm feeling. Is this how you're feeling? Please let me know. These are these are those things. Oh, so asking her if the thing I'm assuming is what's true. Correct. Okay. So I mean, like, I assume you think I am a slimy piece of garbage. That's how I feel. You are treating me. I still feel like that's going to come out bad. Well, just don't say it like you feel like you're a slimy piece of garbage. Just say. I you you make me feel unattractive. 
you make me not feel like you want me. If you don't want me, please let me know. Yeah. And that's when I had the conversation of then let's hire somebody third party to take up that duty because I like talking to you. Like we uh-huh. like watching Ted Lasso together, but apparently you don't want to bang. So why don't we just get a person in here who you're okay with fucking me and then I'll fuck them and then we can get back to watching Ted Lasso. Somehow that's not acceptable. And then I'm going to see your name on like one of those documentary series. No, I did the, say that. I, I've had where the wife buries the husband that. in the backyard. Well, you know what, though? Again, to be fair to me, this conversation was a long time coming. And I honestly, at that point, thought it was fair. I don't want to divorce you. I want to continue to have the emotional relationship we have because I think we have a good one. You are completely failing on the physical side. Did you say you're completely failing on the physical side? I don't know that I said it exactly like that, but I was pretty clear. Okay. That, well, hold on. Again, this I'm was mad at a you. decade. This was a decade. It wasn't like I just one day said, hey, bitch, I want to do it more. Like, then I would say I don't deserve it. Like, that would be clear. But it was like, hey, 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 fast forward 10 years, me going, okay, at some point, I am. We, we've got to make progress. I've tried. Gotcha. I've tried the little details. I've tried new communication techniques. Uh, I've tried asking what they like and then doing expressly what they like. Nothing will frustrate you more than if somebody was like, touch my right ear and tell me right. you love me and I will just melt and do it with you. So then you touch your right ear and you're like, I love you. They're like, great. I'm doing dishes. Go the fuck away from me. And you're like, oh, so everything you said to do, I did. And now it got me nowhere. Gotcha. And I, I know that's an oversimplification, but I'm saying no, I, that, I that's that specific. So yeah. after 10 years of that every day, and I do mean every day, Got you. at what point was it okay to have that conversation then? So what would happen if you switched things up and you made it so that only you were responsible for your own sexual happiness? I'm pretty sure that's how it's been. And is that terrible? Are you a good lover to yourself, Tom? Oh, no one's better than me to myself, but that's not the point. No, I want another person there. Well, and okay. Again, again, I get, okay, hold on. I yeah. also, I also had that conversation uh-huh. where I said, if this was a, a, a perspective of ejaculation, I can fix that. I want the person I love and care about to be involved. Gotcha. And so I made that clear too. Uh-huh. I was like, this, this isn't just, I just want to get drunk and do it because you want to do it more when you're drunk. Like, that's not, this is, I actually feel an emotional attachment to you and it's strengthened and I feel better as a person and us as a couple when we have sex. Uh And then six weeks later, we still had had sex. So I don't know what other things there were to do. Like, I mean, at some point, I think a frank conversation was the last thing left. Yeah. And And maybe that's not what people think I should say, but I ran (laughs) out of things to say. I tried all the other stuff. Well, I think that definitely you have had your traumatic experiences in the past, definitely. And I think that it's warranted to, after all these years, definitely have that conversation. I'm not a huge, like, I know it's really easy for me to say I'm not a huge proponent of divorce, only because I've been divorced three times, I mean, twice, (laughs) been married three times. But I really like this husband that I have right now. He's pretty awesome. I'm going to keep him around for as long as I can. He, you know. (laughs) I like how you just give him that subtle notice though, but at any moment, bro, <laughs> I could find, I could find another PlayStation guy. I'm just saying, just keep that shit in mind. No, nah, he's, like, he's uh, pretty good to me. He's, <laughs> he takes pretty good care of me. I'm not going to lie. So it's really nice to have that. But 
also, we both have very open, honest, clear lines of communication. And there are stuff like there, one little trivial thing that means nothing to anybody but me. When he goes out, let's say, to go grab something at Home Depot, which has been like every day for the last yeah. month that we've Yeah, been you just here. moved. Yeah, there's a lot of home. Yeah, so we're home, home, home depoting. And he'll stop and grab some food and he'll just get something for himself. There is not one thing that makes me any more angry than for him not to think about me in the moment that he's buying food for himself. Have Why? You said that to him? Yeah, he knows it. He doesn't oh. even, like, he knows. He doesn't even oh. tell me anymore. It's just me finding that, you know, Chick fil A straw wrapper. Yeah. Yeah. Bitch. That's yeah. right. Anyway, <laughs> it's just silly stuff. And it doesn't really mean anything to anybody except for me. And why? Because I grew up in the middle of nowhere. And going out to eat, getting food out in some way, shape, or form to me is it's like a, it's a treat. It's like, oh, you you did something really fun without me. Why? And it's yeah. just food. It and I've really tried in my mind to figure out why does that stress me so much? Like it pisses me off. It makes me so mad. And it's dumb. But that's where my food addiction comes into too, right? Yeah, that's how I I want to feel good. And if I'm watching you sitting there slurping around on that giant 64 ounce Dr. Pepper, <laughs> that yeah. I know tastes wonderful, it just does. Well, Dr. Pepper's it. communist. So. Stop it. It's only communist whenever they don't mix it right. But anyway, <laughs> those are the kinds of things like there's no rationale, no rational reason why I should be pissed that he stopped to satiate his food need, you know? Okay. Okay. But, and again, I, I like Dave. So this, the, but <laughs> using this as an example, though. You can go ahead and talk bad about him. He doesn't listen to the uh, show. Yeah, no, but I, I, this is truly not bad, but I think this is a good example is, okay. So you gave, this is a very simple thing. It's a very simple thing that happens daily or not daily, but frequently. And it's a very simple thing that happens frequently that could be easily rectified, but he doesn't. Right. So you are handling it much different than me because to me, that would be a personal, like my mental health now. And I know, and I know it has to be traumatic and here's why. And this, we, we were talking before the show. So people that didn't hear pre-recording don't know this. When we were talking, I was like, you know, 24 year old me did not have this problem. 24 year old me would be like, you didn't give me Chick-fil-A Well, you're a fucking cocksucker and then right. i'd walk off right i'd right. be mad you know i'd say whatever jesus wanted me to get those fries yeah jesus wanted me to have those fries you motherfucker where's my fries but for some reason after the event that happened and i subsequently now know i developed you know ptsd it, 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 and honestly i'm sure there is some childhood trauma that i don't know like or i haven't unlocked or whatever that right. mixes into this okay because i think there is a food component for me on something so i was like oh god maybe there is some more childhood stuff i don't think about but sure. going back specifically to the topic for today for the sexual stuff though is 24 year old me pre-incident would not care i i think i always had some self um image issues cuz i always been a bigger guy so a female finding me attractive has been of the utmost importance. So I think I would have always been very touchy, but I, I wouldn't have cared because I'd be like, okay, well, if you don't like me, then Stacy does. If Stacy doesn't like me, then Michelle does. Like somebody, somebody's going to like me. And I, right. I, I, I think that was healthy to an extent because it was like, okay, well, I'm a normal person and somebody will find worth in me. But now if the person I'm with 
and I've said I love you too, does anything that does not reciprocate it. Suddenly it is a DEFCON 2 level, you know, sirens are blowing in my head like, oh, she's going to divorce you. She, she, she's got another sexual partner. Like something has now changed in my life. And again, that's not fair to her to an extent, but at the same time, like we were just talking about the Chick-fil-A rapper, some of the communication things I've asked for weren't even sex. It was, if we're not going to have sex and I'm okay with that, I am a grown adult. I understand we're not going to do it six times a day. I think I've already said that once I'm saying it again. Cause I've had this conversation with her more than once. <laughs> I'm just saying I've said that I said yeah. what I cannot deal with for my mental health is for you to insinuate that these things are going to happen in this specific order. And then they don't happen because then that creates this traumatic spiral of something's wrong. I am always going to be hypervigilant. And so now if you purposely, and I, I honestly could understand if they, if she came home and said, Tommy fell down, we got to go to the ER. Well, clearly sex is no longer, you know, I mean, common sense does play a part. If something happens, I'm willing to change the rules. What I'm saying is normal day, normal time, normal everything. And then you still go, oh, let's do it tomorrow. You have now created a 24-hour terminal self-image spiral that's going to end up with me going, I might as well cut my dick off and jump off a building because I'm never going to have sex again. I know that's that's obviously hyperinflated. I'm just saying gotcha. like, it just, that's the thing that happens. Is but you what you're doing do in your own mind is making her responsible for your happiness. Yeah, I, okay, you are yeah. 100% correct. You are yeah. 100% correct. What I am saying is I have made my partner aware of these things though. And when we've had open communication and she says, I don't want to do it tonight, I've had zero problems. Yeah. It's this, I am putting my happiness in her hands. But at some point, do they have a responsibility to at least say, I cannot fulfill like your need? If she can't tell me that every day, which I couldn't understand why you wouldn't be able to. But if, if, like, let's say Dave says, we don't have enough money. Like, <laughs> like I, I guess, but I guess in my head, like that's something I, I would Got understand. It. Like, oh, right. I wanted Chick-fil-A, but we didn't have money. You could still eat. You were sitting there. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Okay. But if he said, I don't want to get you Chick-fil-A because I just don't fucking care if you have Chick-fil-A. That's what I hear. How, that's what I hear too. Yeah, well, that's okay. exactly what but, he says. Okay, like but stop that's what being I'm a saying. crazy person. Yes, okay. Chick-fil-A. Yeah, okay, but this time it's sex, and to her, it's just, right. you know, well, she's a right. young, pretty, she's a young, pretty chick. Her whole life, men have thrown themselves at her. I'm sure of it, and so for her, sex is literally Chick-fil-A. She could give a shit less if she got the the nugget sauce. She's had the nugget sauce 12 million times, and every person wants her to have nugget sauce. Me, on the other hand, I am running. Like it's my last meal to get that chicken nugget sauce. Do you see the difference here? But then I'm also wondering, do you absolutely know that she's been having sauce thrown at her? You know, maybe she's a girl. She doesn't matter. She's, she's a girl. That doesn't matter. No, okay. No, it it does matter. It matters from a guy and girl and society perspective. You say that all the time. Yes, because it's true all the time. It's not true. It is 100% true. I don't know if you've met younger guys these days. I'm serious. Have you not listened to some of my older shows? Or do I, you remember, like, I had a guy on that talked on, what about are, the first time he had sex. He was so grossed out. He didn't want to do it ever again because it was so gross and slimy. There are a lot of people out there like that. Okay, that but, okay, but that's a... No, no, and, and I respect because I remember first time I had sex and that was a traumatic experience. So traumatic. Uh, yeah, it, it was because they literally ripped the condom open and she put it on the table and she said, you either put it on you or I'm putting it on you, but this is happening. <laughs> and 
I didn't realize at I I was 13. I was I didn't know what was going on. Like I knew what I wanted. Like instinctually, your urge is I know I want to do something with this and her. Like uh-huh. I knew the, the sequence of events that then proceeded. <laughs> I had no idea. Um, and so I can understand that so initial your, first thought. Your but, first experience was traumatic. Yeah, my first on. experience, my first experience was actually against my will. That's that's legit. That's legit. I because I I told this girl I was in love with her. She was my very first, and I Aww. wanted to do whatever would make her happy. And she said, "Well, sex will make her happy." And I said, "I'm not ready for sex." And then she literally left the room and came back with a condom and slammed it. Like when I say she said it in real life, what she did, she re- I remember it was a blue, it was a white Trojan with like blue striping, and yeah. she ripped it open and like a domino, bam, slammed it on the table, and she was like, "You're gonna put it on, or I'm gonna put it on you." But this is happening. Wow. Yeah. And I was so glad she did, though, for me. Like, it was that I was so happy. But, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> then you knew you had to yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but yeah. you know what? But the fat boy in me needed that. I needed someone that was going to say, I find you attractive. See, this is how I take it, though. This is a perspective issue, right? Because there are a lot of people, and I would not say that they are wrong. That is technically a sexual battery. Well, what preceded <laughs> that pretty much a sexual battery because she made me do it. But the point is, I needed someone that was so into me that they finally said, I'm done with the bullshit. We've made out. We've done all the little stuff, you know, and I'm not saying it was correct for two teenagers. Okay. But I'm saying from a mental health perspective, it was by far the best thing that ever happened to me because somebody said, I don't think you're fat and I'm fucking tired of hearing you say it. I'm going to prove to you you're not. And so I think in some ways that has shaded probably some of my sexual health where I need women I don't need you to do everything, but I need you to at least be upfront. I need to know where I stand. You need you need a dominatrix. You need an aggressor. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I don't know about I don't know about dominate. Well, okay, I've I never I don't seen think you about laugh that. like that ever in all the time that I've known dom- you. I don't think I need one because in my head I always think of like someone hitting me and telling me put the cigarette out of your tongue, and I'm like, no, I don't need that. I don't want that. You need. A, I, you I want need someone. Dominatrix. I want someone that, no, I, I want someone that they're so sure that they want me that they can convey that to me. And that's not, that's not what up until a couple of weeks ago was present. And now it's gone away already. Like I could, I I can see it right now. So I guess for me as a sexual person who is mentally handicapped with that trauma, I don't know how I'm going to go back because I saw, Mm -hmm. I saw how I could feel normal. Has that been with every relationship you've ever had? No, no, okay. no. Other people actually found me attractive and made sure they they said so. Well, I've never, I've never had a partner. No, I've, I've seriously, I actually for the for like I said, the first decade, I thought I was the problem because I was like, clearly, I've never had a problem having sex before. Right. I shouldn't say having sex, having intercourse was not my problem. Getting her to want to have it with me. This is this is this is a true story for people that think I'm joking or I'm because I do have friends and not all of us have a lot of sex. None of us have as much sex as we want. So I, I'm willing to accept not that. this friend. <laughs> Shut up. So, <laughs> but you know, I, I remember one time my wife and I were having a conversation and she looked at me and she said, How long has it been since we've had sex? And I said, Four months. And she said, Okay, and then just kept watching TV. Like it was a factual thing on a crossword puzzle, not like, oh my God, we need to fix this. Or I actually, I think what I specifically said is I stopped counting at four months. Well, 
let me just, okay, on that note, let me talk to you about something. So Dave and I have not always had the most spectacular, wonderful relationship that we have these days. Years ago, we were having some trouble and I was, I'm the aggressor always, you know, like I say, always, I'm usually <laughs> the aggressor. Yes, I don't have to be, but usually I'm, I'm the aggressor. Anyway, back then we were both working night shift in the ER. We're exhausted. We were drinking. We're not eating good. We were being, you know, ER nurses. Yeah. Yeah. Night shift ER nurses. (laughs) I live on coffee and slip gyms. Yeah. This is right. Yeah. (laughs) It would be again, you know, like we had the same sleep schedule. We had, you know, we were on two days off three days on, you know, how that goes. Anyway, it happened that. I'm like, dude, it's been forever. What's the story? He's like, I oh, know I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm sorry. What husband yeah. who's 10 years younger than me? You're tired. Tired. What is this tired you speak of? What is this tired you speak of? And it became a thing and it kept going like that for months. Now I've been married two other times, right? Yeah. Mm. I have a very fragile ego. I know I sound like I'm such a badass all the time, but no, I'm like every other girl. I want to be told I'm pretty. I don't want to be. And I've been always been the bigger girl too. I've never been the tiny petite girl. I am a very formidable woman. Yeah, she is. She very, (laughs) very much is. Not to say that I would pick people up. I I think I actually said that today when I was in the cafeteria. I was like, if somebody doesn't hurry up, I'm going to pick this person up and throw them. But anyway, I don't think I'm unattractive. I don't think that I'm the worst wife ever. I think I'm pretty sexually adventurous. I think that I offer a lot. I I bring a lot to the table. I'm not an idiot. I can have a nice conversation. So you're saying if you and Dave break up. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) You're so sweet. (laughs) You can be my, you can be my side chick. Okay. Oh yeah. There you go. (laughs) There you go. I'm all excited now. Oh, but anyway, so he mentioned to me one day, he's like, why do you fucking keep reminding me that it's been months since we've had sex? I'm like, uh, because I'm over here wondering, am I not, am I not attractive to you anymore? Like, what's the deal? He's like, no, I'm, I'm tired. Like legit. I'm I'm stressed out about life and work. He gained a lot of weight there for a little bit because we were drinking and eating garbage food all the time. Yeah. And I think at that point in his life, you know, he's also a male nurse working with other chicks and they're all, you know, you know how it works. Well, you know yeah, how it works. I, 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 I do, but Again, so this is a perspective issue, and I just want to stop for a minute just to interject in this because, again, I am a guy nurse, and I am sure there are relationships that develop out of working closely. I mean, it's going to happen. You put men and women in a tight enough space for long enough, eventually something's going to happen between somebody. Yeah, I can tell you this, though. Having worked with a bunch of women, I personally am able to separate the whole hormone issue from... The guy issue. Like, and I know guys, because okay, so I said it once earlier, but if you know, I was a police officer before I did this. I've worked in other jobs before I did nursing. I'm still friends with those people. And they're like, you work with all chicks all day. Cause in their head, it's like it's a it's a screw fest. There it's yeah. a gray's anatomy every day. I'm like, look, man, I cannot tell you how much I don't have those feelings. Like, first of all, no offense, after wiping up an old lady's ass that just had diarrhea everywhere, you don't want to get into a closet and have sex. Like, that's one thing, okay? Or two, postcode. 
oh, you just coded two 18-year-olds that rolled over in a vehicle? Yeah. No, yet you don't want to have sex. But third, most of the time, as the guy, as 7% of the healthcare working force of nurses, we are the extreme minority. By and large, my experience has been we are the sounding boards for what's wrong with our husbands. So when people are like, well, you're having, you're probably having sex with three girls a day because you work with all women. I'm like, they all tell me how terrible men are all day long, all day long. That's all I hear is how I'm a worthless piece of crap because I'm a guy because our husband's a worthless piece of crap. (laughs) Trust me, there ain't a lot of sexy talk going on when you're with 15 women and 12 of them are going, I hate men. Nah. You're you're not going to have the conversations you think. Now, you could have some pretty wild and raunchy conversations. I've had them. But it's not just because we're talking about vaginas does not mean we're talking about cool things with vaginas. Okay. Right. Let's just like. So, Mostly what's yeah. stuck. What's stuck, stuck in, in them. What's, <laughs> what, what terrible concoction of things coming out of them because they're on their period. I'm like, I didn't need to hear any of that. So thank you. Um, the amount of expressions for. I don't. I really should know the technical words for some of the things I'm going to describe, but basically the first release of blood after starting a period, I can't tell you how many girls are like, I just need to fan in whatever words or actions you want. This is my favorite. <laughs> like, that's my favorite one girls do. They're like, I just need to, <laughs> and they do this motion with their hand and they do that noise. I'm like, oh, thank you. I know what you're aware of because I've been around girls for over a decade in healthcare, but I'm telling you as a guy, that <laughs> does not make me go, I want to see it. Yeah. You know, so when, when people talk about these these relationships in healthcare and they think we're having all this wild sex, as a girl saying that to a guy that does this, and I have a wife that works in healthcare, you know, I, I, I don't know what you guys think we think, but I'll tell you right now. It ain't, it is not, <laughs> it's not the this same thing. Yeah, it's not the same thing. True, true, true. So but, sorry to interrupt. I just, no. wanted, I, I knew where, I knew where you were going. Not interrupting. I, I knew you were going because it was, well, he's, he's a guy and he works with all these pretty girls. Cause we do work with some pretty girls. I oh, work with some pretty, well, pretty My husband women. worked with a gross, disgusting, ugly girl. Yeah. She wasn't even pretty. <laughs> okay. But the point is, you know, the, I think there's this misconception sometimes that there totally is that we're having all these wild fantasies. I'm like, look, no offense, ladies. Um, I've done enough pap smears. There's no, mm-mm. No, there's there's not a lot of sexual mystery going on in my head anymore that I think that that's going to be great. So no, and you know it's really it's it's nice to have a healthcare provider person in your home whenever you come home from crappy nights like traumatic nights. But rolling back to sometimes we switch up roles as the feminine masculine, right? Like I was saying to my husband. It's been, it's been a couple of weeks, bud. What's up? <laughs> you know, yeah. like, is it me? And I think I was getting in that mind space that you're in currently. Like, what, am, what am I What's doing? Wrong with me? Yeah. Right. So, what did I do wrong? What exactly was it that I did wrong? But it's not anything that you've done wrong. It has absolutely zero to do with you and a hundred percent to do with her. She okay. has to figure that out and you can't make her figure that out. And, and I wouldn't want to make her, but you also don't do to have help? to, you also don't have to wait around if it's been 10 years. Well, okay. But, but let's say we want to try and help the problem. What can I do to make it more successful? I know we're getting close to the end. So give me, give me something I can do to try and be successful 
while waiting to see if you and Dave work out. <laughs> You're so funny. Um, you can move out for a month. Ooh, okay. Is there less dangerous things? Because What's dangerous I, about it? My Wait. traumatic brain goes, she's going to enjoy that month without me and get rid of me. Which, in the end, that's not a bad thing. If that's really okay. what needs to happen. But I, I don't want that to happen. <laughs> so I, I like my dog and my wife okay. and my kid. But that's the thing. Is this more of a, I'm staying in this situation for the financial and emotional small gains? Or am I ready to really make a decision? I don't know. I don't don't you know. have a friend who lives in Kansas you can go stay with for a week? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I certainly could. <laughs> Just be like, hey. That's, that's a long drive for me to stay there for a week. I mean, and, like, uh, there's like, airplanes. I, there, yeah, I hate airplanes. I hate flying. Oh, my God. Um, and then on top of it, I don't know if you remember that whole traumatic eye injury. Well, you, you spend a lot of time off work, so PTO might be an issue. But I mean, if you're, you know, about to get divorced, you might as well not have a job. Yeah. yeah. Why do I need a job? (laughs) I'm not suggesting, please don't think that I'm suggesting you get divorced. But Tom and I have been having this conversation for a long time. I say, unfortunately for the people listening, um, first of all, hopefully they like it and we can have this conversation on the air again. But second of all, we've known each other for years. So this is not like you are basically hearing the fast forwarded (laughs) unedited version of a phone conversation is what you're hearing right now. But hopefully I'm sure, I'm sure what she said was, is Tom's really fucked up and somebody can learn something from how fucked up he is. And so I'm just going to blast it out on the air instead of tapping his phone. No, what it is, is that, you have to give a little bit of credit to yourself for trying to be as communicative as you say you are, but (laughs) also you have to give her the space to figure out how to answer you and take care of her needs and your needs, because that's kind of what we all have to do. And that's what you're doing. Well, and I, and I, you said something that I think is also extremely something I try and be fair about. And that is, I always try and remember I could be wrong. I, I would I'm say not, that that's probably happening a lot. Well, I'm me, so you know I don't think that. But that's not the point. Is whether I whether I openly say it or I don't. Literally everything I do, I do like a little mental health check with my decisions to go. What if I'm wrong? You know, and I and I do that with my wife as well. It's like, whoa, whoa. I know. Well, there's a difference. If it literally just came out of her mouth, nah, I'm calling this one. But there are times where, like I said, I interpret. And I know I'm interpreting and I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Okay. Hold on. (laughs) What if, and I do try and provide that benefit of the doubt. Okay. What I'm saying though, is at the end of the day, my brain cannot stop the mental trauma. It cannot stop the, you're ugly. It can't stop the, you don't deserve. Um, it's not going to stop. They don't want you or you're broken. That's another one. I don't even know how to explain to people that because there's no mental or physical scar on me. Well, other than my eyeball now, but there's no, there's no physical scar on me, but I still feel like trash. Yeah. And so I, that's the part I don't know. And I'm trying to give her the benefit of the doubt. Just like, and, and again, it wouldn't matter. I don't think it would matter anymore. I think I would give a, a better shot. Like, let's say me and my wife got divorced. I started dating someone new. I think the first time she did it, I might be able to go, it's a new person. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But literally the second time my brain would go click. There it is. There it is. You know? And I don't know. I know that's a me problem. 
But unfortunately, my me problem is going to affect me physically to the point where sexual intimacy is going to become more difficult. And so I guess that's why I wanted people to hear this and go, it's not a Tom and his wife problem. It's a Tom and his mental health and sexual history problem because it wouldn't matter if it was her or not. Right. You know, if I got married two more times, you know, trying to break the the polyhedra record there, I I would, I, I I would still, I would still say though, I would still say every person after this, I'm going to have to learn how to communicate with them and deal with it. And I don't know how. And that is exactly what you need to do right now. Because what if your wife is sitting around saying the same thing to her friends that you say to me? Like, she's not. What do you, you don't know. I don't know, but I don't know. Maybe she is just as self-conscious as you are. I don't know how anybody can be self-conscious with another person walking around begging them all the time. Like, oh, you're the most amazing person ever. Sometimes it's just not what's needed, you're, right? Like you you're, need what you need and she needs what she needs. You know what though? You're you're hundred percent I did not think about that until I literally just said it out is maybe that's not what is her trigger. So I've I've had this instance of people saying, Oh, you're, you know, you, you're so popular. You've had so many friends. You're so big on podcasting. Like I'm not big on podcasting. I just don't want to tell people. Um, (laughs) But anyway, you know, like people think that because you drive a car, you have a job, you do a certain thing, this or that, that that's things are easy for you. It's not, you know, I feel like I'm like mentally strangled every day. Yeah. I hear you. I uh, I don't necessarily mentally get strangled every day, but I definitely feel like I carry the weight of the world sometimes. And yeah. why? Because I don't have to. Why do I feel that way? Because there's something in there that made me think that I needed to do that. And I haven't quite got over that yet. Eventually, one day, maybe I will. Maybe I will be. And and I think about this when I'm taking care of my mom, when I come home from work and she looks at me like, oh, I haven't seen you forever. But she just saw me this morning, you know, whatever. She says things to me that make me think, man, I'm so glad I have the gene for Alzheimer's. (laughs) Because, yeah, like that's what I that's what I get to do later. Like I get to wake up every morning and not know what day it is and not know who loved me or who didn't. That shit sucks. I got got multiple people in my family and it's just like, oh, it's right. Now I'm getting into my forties every time I can't find my keys, even though I know it's a hundred percent normal and harmless. Uh You're getting to that age where you're like, Hey, wait a minute. Uh Yeah, I know. (laughs) So, yeah. Yeah, I get it. My husband's almost 42. And he almost 40. Uh, what a pup. He's 39. He'll be 40 soon. What um, a pup. Anyway, he actually said something to me the other day, which made me die because, you know, I just turned 49. I don't care. <laughs> I want a downward spiral. It doesn't yeah, matter. After it's this. all downhill from here. We were talking about a tape measure, and I'm like, he said, What'd you do with my tape measure? Dude, I don't have your tape measure. Do I look like a carpenter? I don't think so. Do I have a tool belt? <laughs> right. Do I look carpentry enough for you? Anyway, he's like, well, I didn't have it. I said, yeah, I gave it to you. I, I actually handed it to him from one table and he laid it down on our bar in the kitchen. And he came back in. He's like, well, son of a bitch. I don't remember that at all. And I'm like, that's how it starts, buddy. Yeah, this see. is it. This yeah. is the beginning of That's the first end. punch. Yeah, 
Oh, next thing you know, you're going to be walking around going, why am I watching Golden Girls? You don't know what the hell's going on. <laughs> he terrible. The Golden Girls. Anyway, so what I wanted to throw out to everybody is please know that there are a lot of anti-sexual violence organizations out there. One of my favorite is RAIN, R-A-I-N-N. You can Google them and check out what they have to say. If you know somebody or if you are a victim of sexual abuse or have been abused in the past and you need help, please search it out. There are a lot of great people out there who can help you figure out what works best for you. And again, there are so many therapies and so many different types of treatments out there, guys. Just find something that resonates with you that will allow you to speak your own truth. Because again, all we have in our entire lives is ourselves. The only person that you can always depend on is you. And when you feel like you can't depend on yourself is when you need to really to get some help with that. But Tom, it has been an absolute pleasure having you yes, on ma'am. my show. And I've only been calling you like for months and months to get you to Correct. do this. Well, thanks for finally showing up. No. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Anyway, where can the people find you? And who are you? What are you? Oh, what are you okay. doing? Okay. I, I will tell them, but again, I, I don't handle this crap. This is the part that Ben handles. So uh just Google just some podcast. Uh media actually is our website that'll take you to where all of our podcasts are. Ben and I actually do a couple different. We do just some podcasts, which is an educational series for well. To be honest, it started off as an he- educational series for healthcare uh, workers like nurse practitioners, PAs, young physicians, etc. But honestly, we have as many non-healthcare workers listening and sending us questions out. So it's just kind of a healthcare podcast. Uh, we also do one called We'll Continue to Monitor, which is our creepy medical mysteries, true crime, unsolved mysteries. But we look at it from a medical point of view or, like I said, I have the law enforcement you know, investigation. So when you see something like D.B. Cooper case, they may say, oh, he jumped out of the plane, but we explain why that's a problem because 30,000 feet without oxygen causes hypoxia. So we actually take the reasons why you may hear on a podcast or a TV show why this is bad, but we actually tell you why it's bad. Like that's bad, you know, like this, this, this is bad or, you know, but it, it applies to other things. Like when we did one where people flew over the Bermuda Triangle, well, what types of things can affect you in the Bermuda Triangle or not even the human physiology, just basic science. But we try and do some stuff like that. But then of course we do stuff with your podcast, Miss Pollyanna, we love you. And then we also have Mr. Nurse Papa. So we have a plethora of uh, podcast and uh, if you ever want to find them out, we have all the social media stuff, uh, Instagram, Facebook. I just don't know what all that stuff is. So just Google just on podcast.com and I'll take you to our homepage and kind of go from there. Man, what a yeah, he's gonna be he's gonna be so proud of me. You know. Because <laughs> I'm like, Google it. I don't Google fucking it. know. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> that's that's why that's Ben's like Mr. Polished social media guy. And they're like, right? Tom, how can they find you? I don't know. Google it. Fucking Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> and if you don't like this shit. show, don't say anything. Yeah. If you don't like no. this show, don't listen to me. I don't care. That's what I say a lot. So. Well, you have been listening to Buried Pleasures. I am the hostess, Polly and Amazing. You can find me at buriedpleasures.com, Buried Pleasures on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, TikTok, Buried Pleasures yeah. One. Yeah. Buried <laughs> Pleasures One. Buried oh. One. Yeah, that's right. Anyway, but. Tom, thanks again for coming on here. And, you know, this is just scratching the surface of 
one person's traumatic experience. Oh, I thought you were going to say this is just scratching the surface of what's soon to be a mini series of Tom's fucked up mental health issues. I mean, so. I just do that. You never <laughs> we, know. Hey, obviously, I don't. We talked. Uh, you're gonna have to tell me sometime the numbers on the when we talked about me, men are afraid of their penis size. Oh my god! Episode, so. It's one of my most listened to. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I bet so. It's but yeah, you. any time I'll talk about anything. Especially All with you. So, oh, you're sweetheart. All right. Well, everybody have a great day. See you later. Bye. Bye.